2: The Around the League podcast starts now. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hanses and I'm joined by a room filled with some heroes. Greg Rosenthal and Chris Wessling. What up, boys?
3: Hey, Dan. What is happening?
2: <sighs> no Mark Sessler. He's on vacation, but we're going to get him on the phone a little later. Uh, we are in the mock studio. Uh, More like Mockery Studio. They've now dropped the temperature down. I'm thinking it's about 40 degrees in here, and I'm not even joking. I'm wearing a hooded sweatshirt, hood over my ears. Uh, Wes is literally shivering like a dog that just got out of a tub in the middle of winter. Greg looks fairly
0: comfortable.
3: Well, this is how you know that Dan Helley, the host of Total Access, is truly a warrior. And a badass that he braves these conditions every day to produce such a fine (laughs) television program.
2: Yeah, people that maybe are not associated with the television industry or aren't familiar (laughs) with how it works, they usually cool down a studio because we are a part of the studio right now where they do Total Access and other NFL programming. They cool those studios way down. I think it has something to do with the lights and things of that nature. They have to keep it cold. So we are suffering for our craft. But who cares? Because guess what? Great show today. Big show. Big show. What could
3: be bigger? Today's really the start <laughs> of our soft time. I mean, this is we should enjoy this time mentally. You got about a month to get ready for actual football. This is the one month of the year it's just quiet in the NFL, dark.
2: The off-season program is over for all 32 teams, uh, coaches, and players, and everyone is recharging before training camp begins at the end of next month. Uh, But we will uh, take you through all the the latest news that did crop up over the weekend. We're also going to uh, check back in on our Making the Leap series uh, and get into two more players from that list. We will dip into the mailbag, folks. I don't know if you saw on the written portion of the Around the League Empire, um, I wrote our latest mailbag on Friday and there are always a bunch of spillover questions that I like to save for the show, so we're going to hit that as well. But TD, not behind the glass, a great man, Nigeria, looking looking very good in the uh, World Cup to get through to the next round. How you doing, buddy?
4: <laughs> doing good, guys. Just so you know, we're all behind the glass in this studio. You know, oh, stage four, we're actually, all behind the true. glass. It is pretty cold. The studio could definitely use some, of, uh, some <laughs> heat. Could definitely use some heat.
3: We're going to warm it up with our hot takes.
4: We should get one of those. That was good. We should get
2: one of those Duraflame logs. I find them quite practical. If we could just get one of those little logs, just put it next to us. It will be a little cozy. I would like that. Um, by the way, you, T.D., you're the biggest soccer fan in the room right now. I would just would like your thoughts on a pretty gut-wrenching gut uh, Draw for the U.S. On it was.
4: Uh, let me let me. Just full disclaimer here. You know, being born here, in Atlanta, I hate America.
2: Is I don't you know, go? no, oh. no. But no. my
4: international soccer team is Nigeria. So that's, and I feel like it's one of those things you can only choose one. So I ride hard for. Nigeria. You don't have a
3: second, second I mean, place.
4: I do, but I'm a big fan of Cristiano Ronaldo because I'm a big mm. Manchester United fan, and mm-hmm. that's we first, that's you know, that's first started his career. So I was more Team Ronaldo yesterday than I was Team USA. Wow. That said, though. It was a great game. to me came to play. Quite frankly, honestly, you probably deserved to win, especially since Portugal's first goal was a complete mistake. Well, that's part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, very impressive showing, and I mean, they should not fear Germany or any other team. They're really good. And uh, but that's football. It's a cruel sport, you know. <laughs> Things you know, you think you're right there, and it gets snatched snatched from you. You know, right at the end. We're not dead yet, and we've not taken yet. down
2: Germany in our past, yeah. America, very likely and we will should do it again. Through.
3: If you had said before On the Thursday. tournament, you're gonna. Beat Ghana and tie Portugal in a game you outplayed them. I'm I'm in tune with this. I'm gonna be excited if that's true. I mean, this is my
4: third World Cup while living here, and just the atmosphere, the energy here is by far the most. I mean, look at NFL teams on Twitter now. Every time before the game, they're you know supporting Team USA. It's great seeing, you know, the you know the support.
3: And you know what you need? You know, you need to build up a sport. You need a little heartbreak. You need to mm. see what's great about the game, and the comeback yesterday was very exciting. It's, and then you need to get, it yeah, builds you need, a little you character. You need that hope.
4: You need that hope, that allure of hope. Like Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. You need that allure of hope. <laughs> I like that. And then when it gets snatched away, then you really cherish it even more. Poor
2: Chris Wessling was at a, a bar watching the game, and after the game ended, he ended up having half the bar spilled in his lap from what I hear Reports. So not only a crushing equalizer score leading to the draw that keeps (laughs) the U.S. out of the next round, uh, you also had to deal with a messy situation.
5: That establishment went from being the most excited I've ever seen uh, for any sporting event on television. The place was just going bonkers, and then within three seconds, it just get, got totally deflated. You
2: could hear it in Wes's voice, and it has nothing to do with anything else but the, the soccer game, I'm sure. You sound <laughs> a little
3: less than 100% right now. There was some screaming and yelling. That that really was. I was there for the first half, had to go back, uh, watch my daughter you know, in the game for the second half. It was the loudest sports bar I've ever been at for things not actually happening. Just when they were building up towards a possible goal, it was like – I mean, it was
2: pretty awesome, uh t d can we do some news? I believe that we can't
4: <laughs> 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 that was a little throwback to the team u s a ran. I believe that we will win oh, over the weekend oh, uh, So I uh, might go more topical with these the ho- the whole bar forward. was chanting that before yeah. the
2: game as some uh as some people should be aware of. TD is trying to as he replaces the gold standard behind the glass. He is coming up with a new catchphrase when I throw it to him for news. And I think that was my favorite so far. (laughs) All right, Rob Gronkowski. We'll start there. The New England Patriots tight end fantastically talented tight end that has not been able to stay healthy in recent seasons. Uh, Some good news, we have our first timetable for Gronk. According to NFL media's Albert Breer, the goal is for Gronkowski to be on the field for the season opener at Miami. Uh, The rehab process for Gronk has been uh, less complicated than last season when of course he had the back issue in addition to the, uh, the forearm that needed the multiple surgeries. Uh, Breer reports that it's possible that Gronk's knee will be ready for the start of training camp in late uh, July, uh, but the Patriots won't do anything to jeopardize his chances of being ready for week one. So we have a timetable. They're aiming for that first weekend or second weekend in September. Good news for the Patriots, right?
5: Very good news. I think... Uh... If any of our listeners are familiar with Dave Damashek's Jenga theory, Mm. Gronk is one of those players where if you take that block away, the whole offense crumbles. I was looking up some stats uh, last Friday night, and Tom Brady actually had the highest scoring offense in the NFL for a five-week span with Gronk healthy last year.
3: He was better, Gronkowski that is. I think, last year than he ever had been in his career. So despite all those surgeries and the back problem, it didn't seem to slow him down. And this is great news for the Patriots because you just got the sense for much of this offseason they were being very conservative about when they thought he could be back on the field. Maybe he would miss a chunk of the season. But this news only gets out to Breer if they're feeling pretty good about things. I don't think he would say they're targeting training camp or targeting week one unless they felt very confident it's going to happen because they're they're the king of trying not to set expectations too high.
2: And I guess just to get Greg a little more excited about the Patriots, here's a little update on Darrell Rivas. Not so much an update, but here is uh, news about the cornerback who was asked recently – if he believes he needs to prove anything now that he's a full season removed from the torn ACL in his final year with the Jets. Here's Revis's quote. No, I don't feel like I have to prove nothing to anybody. The only thing I have to prove is to my teammates that I'm there for them and there to win games and help us win. Uh, Revis, Gronk, two guys with knee history, uh, but if they're both at the top of their game, what do you have, the best cornerback in football and the best tight end in football? All bets could be off for that team in terms of expectations.
5: It's, it's odd that in an era when a day doesn't go by without hearing from Richard Sherman, everybody's already forgotten that Darrell Revis was, I think, outside of Lawrence Taylor and maybe Reggie White, the most dominant defensive player I've ever seen for a few years.
3: Right. I don't really expect them to get back to that or to get even that close. I My expectations are measured. Dan, as a Jets fan, and mm. I think some other Jets fans are worried Revis is just going to turn back the clock. You know, cornerbacks... Age faster than other positions. That torn ACL, he's another year removed, but it it happened. I think to expect him to return to a top cornerback level is probably expecting too much. Yeah, but he's still,
2: even if in a hyper-accelerated position, I guess when you talk and you read about Revis and everything you hear is what a competitor he is and the motivation factor and not only the motivation to be again seen as the best cover corner in football, but also the motivation. And it must be pointed out, Darrell Rivas is motivated by money, unlike any professional athlete I've ever been associated <laughs> with or followed in my life. You're not associated with him. <clears throat> I wasn't. know you. We were very close at the time, <laughs> on some level. Uh, I think there are a lot of things in play. The stars are aligned, which made it such a great signing by the by the Patriots. To me, I think he really can. He has the potential to be that guy still. We'll see.
3: I hope so. I mean, I'm just trying to set expectations low, but to me if he's a top I'll see what you're doing there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if he's a top 5 cornerback in the league, I think that'd be a win for them. I just think to expect him to ever return to that level is is too much at his age. Greg Jennings was signed a year ago to be the Vikings' number 1
2: wide receiver threat, but according to Jennings himself, he mu- that might not be the case if Cordell uh, Cordero Patterson progresses as some believe. Here's a quote from Jennings himself, uh, who had a conversation recently with new offensive coordinator Norv Turner. I wanted him to know that coming in, the expectation of you is no longer rookie. It's you got to go. We saw what you can do. We're going to showcase this. Um, Patterson. We talked. We were talking about him at the end of last season. What he was. What he was capable of. He maybe didn't get really a really chance to showcase it. But is is it? reasonable to think that he could be the number one receiver on that team by the end of this season
5: I think it is I think one of the things people don't really know about court Darrell Patterson was last year almost all of the receptions came within five yards of the line of scrimmage Hmm. he he wasn't he wasn't coming into the NFL as a polished route runner at all that was the big knock on him so it took a long time for him to get into the offense and then over the final five weeks of the season he scored he was in the top five in fantasy points for wide receivers
3: and he was playing in an offense run by Bill Musgrave. I'd like you all to just think back of all the exciting plays (laughs) over the last 10 years that Musgrave has dialed up. Classic Musgrave.
5: And Norv Turner was the offensive coordinator for Josh Gordon last year in that breakout.
3: And he's been a part of so many receiver breakouts, and he's known as a great teacher, and I don't know whether his system is just easier to pick up or w- whatever it is. I think Teddy Bridgewater has a good chance to be starting, if not week one, early in the season. And I, I agree with Wes. I think Patterson, by year's end, will have passed Greg Jennings. I mean, although Greg Jennings, you know, it's not it's not the old Greg Jennings.
5: Cordero has some Julio Jones to his game. Right. That's pretty
3: good. He He's a – Tough guy to figure out because he runs very physical. He doesn't look like he should be. He's not quite as big as Julio Jones. No. But just if you're kind of creating that prototype freak wide receiver like in a lab, it's pretty much Cordarrelle Patterson, which is how you get drafted that high.
2: All right, quick uh, over-under game. I'll throw it to both of you gentlemen. Mr. Patterson, 50 receptions.
3: I'll take the over. Yeah, I would take the over. 1,000 yards receiving.
5: I'll take the over on that too.
3: Eight touchdowns. Wait, I don't get to pick the over on yards. No, wait, let's sorry. Let's go under. All right, let's all right. Let's go under. I apologize, Greg. Because the Vikings passing attack overall, eh, I don't know. Eight touchdowns. I'll go
2: under. He might
5: have seven.
3: <laughs> I'm going to go under as well.
2: So, but overall, we're feeling bullish about his abilities, <laughs> and if he eventually gets uh, with a quarterback that proves himself, the, there really are no limits to him.
5: Spoiler alert. We will be talking about Cordero oh, Patterson. That's a good point. Making the Leap guy.
3: I might actually. I should say I'm changing my answer over for yards because
5: not <laughs> now to, he's one of Greg's guys. <laughs>
3: not, not to uh, spoil it too much, but not only is he on our, on our list, he's got to be pretty high. We'll just say that he's going to be pretty high on the list. And if he went under a thousand yards, that would be considered a loss at this point because we're projecting big things. Let's talk
2: some technology because we've got a lot of brainiacs in the mock studio right now. Uh, TD, when when you produce this after the show, if you could put in some futuristic sound effects as I discuss and set up this story and throw it to the two scientists – so It's good to throw technology-based questions to scientists, I've found. Uh, here we go. We'll start in Pittsburgh, where the Steelers are one of 33 NFL and NCAA teams to use shut-vision helmets. The full-contact helmets are embedded with HD video cameras that allow ca- coaches to review what the players see during practices. Hubba, hubba, fellas. Does Chip Kelly know about this? I bet he does. (laughs) I bet he does, and he was going to use them, but now he sees that the Steelers are using them first, and he'll no longer be seen as this brilliant mind, so
3: he'll just trash them, throw out tens of thousands of dollars of equipment. He definitely read this article and was like, those goddamn mother, you know what's like, I can't believe that's my thing. He's like, there better not be any remote-controlled cars on that field. Is
5: this technology more or less impressive to you, Dan, than remote control cars on a football field?
2: remote control cars on a football field are a menace, and they should be eliminated from even the thought process of any NFL coaches or front offices. Uh, that was a blatant attention grab,
3: in my mind. Stop Keep them out of the game. <laughs> Mike Tomlin talked about uh, watching some of the videos, and as you would expect, you know, he said it kind of looked like a car crash. I mean, I can't imagine... Other than quarterback, how this is going to be too helpful. A lot of of shakiness.
5: Yeah, I agree with that. I I don't think this is all that impressive.
3: It's like the first people to buy the new technology before it's really ready to go. You know, Mm -hmm. they're kind of wasting their money, wasting their time. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Hot
2: take there. (laughs)
5: Hot take.
3: (laughs) Bunsen burner -Burner
2: (laughs) blowtorch on that entire operation. (laughs) Next, we move to Green Bay where the Packers have found out how to travel through time. The Green Bay – no. (laughs) Next, we travel to Green Bay where the Packers are using a GPS system they hope will reduce injuries, according to the Green Bay Press-Gazette. The Packers have imported GPS technology from – catapult sports there's a plug an australian company that Ooh, hello to a shout out to all our australian listeners that introduced gps technology for monitoring athletes in the early 2000s to help keep track of their players workload during practices Mm. wow the team hopes the information provided by the gps system can yield some insight into how to tailor workout regimens and avoid injuries wow gentlemen
5: this one I do believe might have some merit. Oh, I really? like this one. Yeah, it's, what it, is it? If it like helps turn you. left at Lambeau Field, right? <laughs> how many?
3: There's two wow. stop signs in Green Bay. It can't be that. Tough.
5: <laughs> I was thinking that it sounded a little weird having GPS technology, but if it does help monitor a workload, that seems like it would have
2: some merit. For the directionally impaired, which definitely counts me and certainly Greg, who admitted that he took 15 minutes to find his car after leaving the bar yesterday.
3: Right. After one beer, too. Yeah. One
2: beer. In in fact, and Greg, I don't know if I'm putting you on blast here, but you said you got so frustrated with yourself you started running to find the car to end this.
3: It it wasn't so much frustration as I wanted to see the second half. I had to watch my daughter when she woke up, but I wanted to lock into the second half, so I was wasting time. Oh, I thought but it was yeah, more I... like, you fool, find the car. No, find no, it it was... faster. It was more I had gone two blocks this way, two blocks that way. I had no idea where it was, and I thought save some time, get a little exercise, start jogging.
2: So, Greg, like myself, and I don't know about Wes, uh, directionally challenged, the GPS changed the game mm. uh, in traveling places. And I don't know who invented GPS for cars, <laughs> but it, it sure beats. Remember when you have to print out MapQuest? Mm. And then you'd follow oh, yeah. those directions, and they were always. They're always a little bit off, so well, change this city to GPS more
3: than anywhere else or in curl. the country. I lived here in two thousand one, two thousand two, and they had these things called the Thomas Guides. I don't know if you know about those. It's about a, it's a basically a binder filled with thousands of pages and you're trying to change on the highway, flipping through that. A nightmare. It's Dangerous a disaster. Too. This is not at all what the Packers are doing, <laughs> by the
5: way.
3: <laughs> As you can tell you can't be that hard, this GPS thing. I've got this technology on my iPod. I mean, I go running. It tells me how fast I ran. Some calories burned. Maybe just stick one of those in everyone's pocket.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We got all this stuff figured out. All right, that's it. And by the way, if you've noticed that that was our third and final news item of the day, there's not a lot going on in the NFL on today, June 23rd, 2014. Uh, All right, what do we want to do next? Do we want to get Sessler on the phone to talk Making the Leap? Or do you want to go to the mailbag? Let's you know, call Mark. You want to get Mark on the line? Yeah, Mark is on vacation. Mark, uh, but he also is a man that he doesn't like to disconnect from the NFL brand. In fact, he was tweeting this morning at about 7 a.m. about different NFL matters. He sent out a link to one of his Making the Leaps that we're about to talk about. The guy's plugged in, and he's calling in on his vacation.
3: You there, buddy? I am. How are you, fellas? This is the shortest distance call in around the league history. Aren't you like a mile away from us right now?
6: I am roughly about a six-minute walk from the (laughs) studio, I could not be bothered to uh, make my way over.
2: As you can see, Mark has decided for his vacation, summer vacation, (laughs) to keep it local. He's not going anywhere, so we figured we didn't feel too bad about looping him in on the podcast today. Mark, the Making the Leap series, I don't know, are you aware of this?
6: I'm hearing rumblings. Uh, it's it's, uh, kept me up at night as a writer, too.
2: Yeah, so the Making the Leap series, number 15 on our list, is a Philadelphia Eagles tight end, Zach Ertz, who, uh, of course, came into the league last year as a second-round pick, uh, showed some signs, but as a guy who could turn into a big-time playmaker in Chip Kelly's offense with his remote-control cars and such. Now, you believe, Mark, that Zach Ertz will become the guy that the Eagles thought they were getting when they drafted him.
6: I think so. I think it's a position, number one, that you'll often see guys bloom in year two and year three. And I think he's a player in that system that Chip Kelly's already cited as, hey, he's going to see a lot of work. He's going to make up for some of the production uh, left behind by Deshaun Jackson. And after watching really all his targets, I was more impressed. I don't think he quite got on my radar during last season because he didn't play out of the gate. He saw a lot more snaps as the season went on, and I I think that that his game was incomplete because he's not really a blocker, and and the thing that kept him down numbers-wise is that offense moves so fast that you can't shuttle tight ends on and off the field. So when they would lean on their run game, he often wasn't the guy they'd lean to first to really be on the field. I think they they said he's gotten bigger, stronger, he's more of a complete guy, and they can use him the way they wanted to at this point.
2: Who do you see, if you had, a, say, a player in the league right now, that you could compare Ertz to or Ertz's upside?
6: Everyone coming out of college made the Witten, the Jason Witten comparison. I read an article where someone compared him more to Kyle Rudolph, and that's who he looks more like to me on tape. I, he's an interesting guy because he's not incredibly fast, but he's—it's tough. he's a tough guy to bring down. Like I saw that over and over that he would take one or two guys on him to pull him down. And he's quicker than, than I thought he would be after initially reading about him and saying this guy's just not – he doesn't have the speed. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think he may be his own type of comparison a year from now because of the way he'll be used. Wow,
3: people will just be comparing everyone to Zach Ertz. The Why measure not? by which everything's <laughs> – <laughs> what what stood out to you the most? Yeah, the Witten thing doesn't make sense to me because it isn't – Ertz a little more athletic catching the ball than Witten.
6: That's, that's what I saw too, and that and you asked what stood out. I, I thought he did a nice job of continually giving foals, but earlier on Vic as well, a, a nice window to throw to. He kept, he'd get right in between defenders and ha- showed nice hands. Now, he's, uh, he's just a guy that they didn't use as much as they could. I, I feel like we haven't really seen what he's capable of, but his quickness impressed me. Um, but he's not a guy that's going to like beat people down the field. They are, they're they're gonna. It's going to be interesting how they use him in the passing game because he's not a deep threat.
2: I've seen uh, you write in the obstacles uh, under the in the making the leap piece, which you could find at NFL.com backslash making the
3: leap. That's what they call a vanity URL in the business. You know, one of our Twitter followers pointed out to me that it's not a backslash. I always say backslash. Uh-huh. He just says it's a slash. I guess that's true. I have no way to fact check that, but that seems. How about like...
6: let's get it together?
3: Wait, so does that mean it's a forward slash? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Whatever. It's a slash. Society. Um, <laughs> Society. Anyway, you... so actually, I have no idea, but he pointed it out and it sounded like he knew what he was talking about. So Sizzler <laughs> mentions that, uh, you know, Ertz's blocking
2: has come into question uh, during his rookie season. It's something that needs to be improved. I was thinking maybe in our NFL offseason tropes file. We might have to add any young pass-catching tight end. It's always You'll see the story that, oh, he's worked a lot on his blocking and he's gotten stronger. That's a major trope, and that's what we're seeing with Ertz, too.
6: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I I think, though, that he himself said it was something that he knew was an issue coming into the league. Kelly fell in love with him for his pass-catching ability because he, when he was at Stanford, fried Oregon. Kept them out of the national title game with an 11 catch game, 80 something yards, and a pretty controversial touchdown at the end. It was actually
2: 106 yards, but that's cool. I'll just fix your fix your
6: mistake. Thank you. Well, <laughs> again, you're in front of the computer. I'm not. But, Mark. Yeah.
5: Was do you think his development is one of the reasons they were able to let Deshaun Jackson go?
6: That's interesting. I don't. I, I look at the whole Deshaun Jackson removal as something pretty specific to. Deshaun Jackson from the neck up in terms of how Kelly really wanted to build that locker room. But I think it eases it for sure. He mentioned Ertz by name more than once whenever he was asked, who fills the void? I, I do think that they're, they wanted a guy that from the tight end position can make plays, and that's, that's what I saw in him down the stretch for sure.
3: The opportunity is there. They don't have a number one receiver. People want no. to make Jeremy Macklin. In, I mean, he's not that guy. So they're going to have to spread it around
2: could be chaotic could waters well. for the defenses uh, facing the Eagles this year to use a Sesslerism. Chaotic rivers. <laughs> oh, chaotic rivers, excuse me. <laughs>
6: <laughs> All right, well, that's it then. Mark. Yeah, you know, I, I sort of ran out of gas there at the end. I have nothing more to tell you about anything.
2: <laughs> Go lay by the sea, Mark, or wander into the wilderness. You know, do a, do a Sessler thing, just disconnect, and we will hold this thing down, and we won't annoy you anymore. That, that's a promise.
6: How about I'll see
3: you in about a week? Oh, I like that. Thank you, Mark. Very well. See you, Mark. Bye. So we have some breaking news. I'm just going to go go off the script right now. I love that. And uh, it's not the biggest news ever, but more bad news for the Miami Dolphins offensive line and Mike Pouncey expected to miss at least the next three months with hip surgery. So we talked uh, last show uh, that the Dolphins offensive line, you know, Bill Lazer's really intrigued and thinks that'll be the turnaround story there, and now here their center and kind of their leader of that group supposedly. If it, they're saying at least three months, that usually means more than three they, months.
2: They picked up his fifth-year option, right? They did. So I wonder if this is something that happened during the minicamp season or something that had been lingering. It would be odd
5: to have hip surgery in late June yeah. if, if it was already an issue. Must, I would have to think it has to be something that came up recently.
3: Uh, yeah, because you want to get that out of the way, and it's not huge, huge breaking news, but this is a team that had major questions on the offensive line already. Pouncy, who's had a pretty rocky road of late. Uh, and he's the best offensive lineman. Right. And he's yeah. probably the best Pouncy on the field, Ooh, right? Marquise be. is all like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's all I got for you. He's clenching his fists right
2: now, the Steelers center. Marquise Pouncey. Um, gentlemen let's keep rolling. another making leap candidate. number 17 on our list. We like to keep you on your toes, even though we just did 15. we're going to do seventeen now, and we're going to talk about another playmaker. Uh, this is the wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. His name is Marvin Jones. I know him well, and when he faced the Jets last season, he had four <laughs> touchdowns. Uh, In a game, including three and one half, I did not like that, but I did like his talent. I will start. I will throw it to Greg because you always want to give credit for good writing, and I liked Greg's lead here. Mm. Marvin Jones is an uncommon talent trapped by a common name and a, wait
3: for it, common
2: quarterback. Yeah. (laughs) Knockout. The
3: boss. (laughs) Even uh, in a piece as glowing and positive as possible, I wanted to get a shot. On Andy Dalton, (laughs) right on the first sentence, just so Bengals fans know where we're at. Uh, Marvin Jones is a great example that Chris Wesseling, the mad scientist, can change his mind on a player because, you know, I was kind of talking him up. We were back and forth on a lot of top 25 guys. And once Chris Wesseling laid his eyes on the beautiful game rewind and whatnot for Marvin Jones, he just couldn't leave him off the list either because this guy can do it all.
5: It's a true story. I actually wanted Tyler Eifert to be the Bengals breakout candidate. Then I went and watched Game Rewind, and all Marvin Jones does is make plays.
3: Yeah, he is a guy who's totally complete as a player, and that was what impressed me the most watching him. He pulled off so many spectacular catches on the boundaries in terms of diving and tapping his toes out of bounds and catching touchdowns and jumping. And usually with a guy that can pull off that many highlights – Maybe he doesn't have the greatest hands or he's not the type of guy that's going to break tackles after the catch. But Jones, even though he's a lanky receiver, he broke a lot of tackles. He was very good in the open field. They gave him the ball as a running back. He made a nice play, I thought, against the Jets. One of his plays in that game that wasn't a touchdown. I think it was a 40, 50-yard catch and run where he made about four people miss. I, there's just a lot to like with this guy. I He's number 17. He might be number f- one in my heart. How about that? I,
2: well, I was going to say I'm a little surprised. I think the scientists got together and decided the actual order of the making the leap candidates. <laughs> I would have pegged him as a top ten guy if someone would have asked me.
3: Yeah. Sometimes we don't watch all the film until the, the numbers are set. I, I would be totally comfortable having him higher. And part of it is because he's in such a nice spot. Look, part of the reason he's getting open on all these plays is he's playing opposite A.J. Green.
2: Well, let's talk about that. Wes, you are our maestro when it comes to wide receiver receiver duo rankings. (laughs) Is there a possibility by January of next year that we're talking about Jones and Green as a top five wide receiver duo?
5: Absolutely. Top three. We could be talking about that by September. Or now. (laughs) Oh,
2: wow. (laughs) Drop it. Where did you have him entering this year in your most recent post?
3: I don't even remember. Were they on the watch list? Do you remember? I don't remember. I do because I went back and looked. And uh, you had them number 10 the last time you wrote this. So they were on the radar already. And Jones, he barely played last year. He played only 40% of the snaps in the first half of the year. Late in the season, they finally let him play over Mohamed Sanu. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking with Sanu. So much <laughs> playing time over Marvin Jones. The last four games of the season, when he finally played like a starter, about 70 75% of the time, he was on pace. If you pace out those four games for about 1,300 yards.
5: It's an interesting point about ranking him higher on the list because it's hard for a number two receiver to, to really have a huge breakout. But Alshon Jeffrey did it. Right and really look, one of the reasons why Jones is so productive, like you pointed out, AJ Green, he's. I think as the season went along, started to draw even more double coverages than normal, and then Marvin Jones just feasted off of that.
3: You got to make him pay, and the one thing I'm worried about is that Andy Dalton's the quarterback, and that they're going to dial back the pass attempts there, and that that could be the one thing that gets in Marvin Jones's way of a. Monster season. Otherwise, I'm thinking 1,000 yards. All right. 1, You're stepping all over my toes oh. on that. As you, I was <laughs> just well, let's about to set you up in a beautiful <laughs> no, way. do it.
2: Over-under time, we'll start with receptions. And I will set the number at 73
3: receptions. Mm, that's a pretty high number. I'm going under. Yeah. I'm going to go over just because I just talked up this guy. Uh, yards, I will set it at 1,100 yards.
5: I'm going under on that, too.
3: I'm going over. On that. The thing I like about him, a lot of yards per catch. So, the 73, I'm not feeling too good about. The eleven hundred. I like. Eight touchdowns.
5: He had 10 last year, but touchdowns can be fluky from year to year.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go under
2: for touchdowns. I'll go under. I'll say this, Wes. You went under on all three, but you also said they could be uh, a top three wide receiver duo. He needs to be better than that for them to become that level, right? True.
3: His thing is the Dalton – Factor, am I right? I mean, that they're does. not going to throw thirty-two touchdowns again this year, probably. I went
5: under on all those, but I wasn't going way under. I mean, I, it could be like sixty-eight receptions, ten th- or ten fifty yards, and seven touchdowns. You know, that's still a good season.
3: He is a tough player to come up with a comparable. We we were doing it in the office. We kind of thought maybe a young Greg Jennings or Donald Driver, because there aren't many guys kind of like with the Randy Moss build a little shorter than that for sure, but just that can make the athletic you know, plays that can also run. Usually those guys get tackled and they just get thrown all over the place. All right, gentlemen,
2: before we leave, let's hit hit up the ATL mailbag. Got a lot of great questions this time around, probably the best, um, best questions I've gotten since we started doing the ATL mailbag last year, and I had some spillover, so we're going to hit a few. And why don't we start – Oh, hell, it's starting Buffalo. This one I actually answered in the mailbag, but I wanted to see what the uh, the other heroes thought about it. This is Michael Sebring at Syrah Bill's Lichen. Weird handle. Here's the question. Clearly, little confidence in EJ, referring to EJ Manuel. If he improves to 25 touchdowns and 12 interceptions and 4,000 yards, do Bills take the AFC East with their otherwise ATL-certified talent?
3: That's like saying... You know, if Geno Smith wins the MVP, do the Jets win the division? Like, that's, it's a ridiculous ceiling that they just set there for E.J. Maynard. Sure, if he throws for 4,000 yards and 25 touchdowns, they, they should win the well, division. Well, I'll say this I'll say that. before
2: Wes answers, also, I'll say that <laughs> I think Michael got back to me uh, this morning with a, with a comment that uh, Ryan Tannehill hit those marks last year.
5: Uh this just in E. J. Manuel is not Ryan Tannehill.
2: <laughs> right. This just in he's not. <laughs> Which isn't a good sign because Ryan Tannehill hasn't even proven himself to be much other than Ryan Tannehill at this point. What I said it-
5: I would eat all my softball pants if, if E. J. Manuel reaches those numbers in one of the run heaviest offenses in the league.
3: What are the odds that E. J. Manuel throws for four thousand yards? in 25 touchdowns this year. Let's say one out of 100. I thought you were
5: going to say in his career. Oh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow. All right. Well, that lets you know where we're at.
2: We can just move on from there. I'm going to say 2%. How
3: about that? Oh, uh, Less than that. Less than that. All I'll right. put it at 15.
2: Wow. wow that's come generous. on, 15. Oh, you know, giving up on EJ Manuel is a big ATL podcast trick, but he's a rookie that went through an injury plague season. Let's not you count it. the guy out e. yet. EJ Manuel has some strong qualities,
5: but among those is not passing.
3: <laughs> yeah, but
2: 4,000,
3: you're saying, like, he might not be bad. Th- that's fine. 4,000 yards is another matter. 4,000 yards, that's a lot of 2014. yards. 2014. That's like Brandon Weeden in 2013 projections guy <laughs> right there.
4: Whatever. The monk is such haters. Co- Among its good qualities, though, body language. Oh. I
5: Our listeners might not know this, that TD is an
4: expert on quarterback
2: body language. And in general, all body language, I believe. But you say he's giving off good flavor. Yeah, because, yeah.
4: You know the story goes back to combine, his combine, and yeah. it was him and Geno Smith. And I could have told you there and then, Dan, that yeah, yes. Geno was not the way to go. You know, and okay. no, EJ, EJ might not have the talent. I agree, He doesn't have the arm, he doesn't have the talent, and but he's he's a nice kid, and I can see a guy a guy like that leading the team.
3: I buy that. Runners. And when you listen to the people around them, and just listen to him, you can you can see that. Christian Ponder, you kind of know, eh, maybe he's not the guy. Geno <laughs> Smith, eh, mixed feelings about him. E.J. Manuel seems like he's, he got, commands the, the room. he's got the intangibles. I don't know he has, if he has the tangibles. All right. Now, speaking of Geno Smith, <laughs> and we all know
2: that there are people on the ATL podcast that do not believe in Geno Smith, I will ask this question, and this comes from Vincent Petty at Vinny Petty, who asks, if the Jets are 3-0, and Starting strong with Geno as their starter in September. Could they be a strong candidate for the team of ATL? Uh, team of ATL, of course, is the team that we will choose and get behind, just like we did the Carolina Panthers. That's coming up later this summer and into the fall. Jets 3-0, and Geno playing well. Do they enter the discussion? No. Why not, Wes?
5: The Jets don't excite me. The team of ACL, ATL has to naturally well, you, excite us. Wait, I think you're
2: missing the, the big picture, which is he's saying – they start 3-0. and They're playing really well. and Gino Smith is Keep your team. mind open.
5: St- All right. I'll keep my mind open, but I, I don't see it <laughs> doesn't happening. doesn't sound like you're
2: keeping your mind open. <laughs> I don't open. see it
5: happening. I'm, yeah, we'll revisit
2: it. I'm and really th- looking forward to seeing who the team of Wes is this year.
3: I know. I think <laughs> if, if a team of ATL is going to be one of the teams we root for, it's weird that we haven't talked about it. I still think if I had to guess which team will end up as the team of ATL, I think it's the Browns. Wow. I think it's the Browns because that, that would be a lot of fun.
2: All right, we'll move on. Uh, what This is from Akpo Onos at Snow the Ghost. Snow the Ghost. Uh, what team is most likely to pull a Spain World Cup analogy, be very good one season, then just be bad the next? I will jump in first. I answered this question, and I wrote... In the mailbag, I thought that the Chiefs would be this team. I think they would oh, that's a drop safe, down. Safe answer. To I think you nailed seven it. Seven and nine, eight and eight range.
3: Safe answer. You can, Spain is one of the greatest teams of all time. They just won the World Cup. You're picking a team that couldn't yeah, but get out of you can't the Saturday afternoon NBC game.
2: You can't construct the answer that way because then I have to then answer the
3: Broncos. No, or but the Seahawks. You pick a bigger, better team. I'll okay, go, go ahead. Pick I'll one. Go, Hot shot. 49ers of of the top sort. Bad. Of the next, by the way. What? It says it'd just be bad the next. Well, 8-8 eight at eight count is bad for a team like the 49ers. Panthers are another pretty obvious one, I think. A very strong candidate.
5: I agree. The Chiefs, Panthers, and 49ers are our three best candidates. Well, I don't, wow, I, don't know if, Niners. I don't know if I'm as much I'm down on the 49ers as much as Greg is.
3: No, I'm actually not. But I think if you're asking the question, which of the top five teams in the NFL could fall, I think just because of the division and the schedule and, and other things, 49ers Sneaky
5: best answer. The Colts. If, if they weren't in mm, the I AFC like one, South maybe. because of the rest of that division is so bad.
3: Come on. Why can't so, – no one wants to get some stones and go against the Patriots? Bring it. <laughs> they still <laughs> no. have Tom
2: Brady. Uh, this one is from Harry Kerr at Kerr HD. Are you coming to London week four to the ATL team? Greg?
3: I need to work on that
2: more. Okay, that's <laughs> terrible! Enough.
3: Terrible answer. I don't. We don't have any update on that situation. Right.
2: This is from Joe at J Three. This one, you know in a time of increased equality across our great nation. This is a question that I like, so I'll put it out there. in TD, please keep your uh, ears open on this one. At Dan Hansis, will you finally? I like that. Finally is in here. Will you finally allow a male producer to say Seduction Friday? <laughs> of course, one of K. Rich's great comments.
5: I don't think we want that.
3: Right, uh, it it's up to you. You know, you're the clearly c- the commissioner of this <laughs> issue. But uh, I'm I'm fine with no one ever saying that again.
2: Well, it's almost like how "Let's Do It" was uh, was what was his name? <laughs> Gold standards. <laughs> Gold <laughs> standards name. <laughs> that that would be that's K Rich's thing. One of that our great K producers of our past. Yeah. So for for TD and this, no. he's the most obvious example to be dropping. Hey, fellas, it's a Seduction Friday.
4: I don't know if that's good. Totally agree. And uh, my idea of Seduction Friday is not in a cold room <laughs> with – I love you guys, but, yeah, that doesn't work that way.
2: That's fair. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Brian Thompson writes, at McLovin5042. Obviously signed up for Twitter after seeing um <laughs> uh, several years ago. Uh, at NFLATL, when are we going to have the Mailman Stories podcast – from Wes or the <laughs> Peter King versus Chris Wrestling No Holds Barred match. Oh, we can do
5: some mailman stories. I'll have to think up a few good ones. This there is the are, time There of are year. plenty of them.
2: Maybe we should for the for the rest of uh, the quiet season the NFL. Maybe have a mailman story dropped into each podcast. I was
5: on Safe double secret probation at the post office for most of my time there <laughs> because I was twenty one years old and I would always come in late on Saturday mornings. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Awesome. Uh, also, I like the use of "No Holds Barred." I recently watched that movie on Netflix—an old Hulk Hogan movie from 1989. One of the truly the most wretched films ever produced. And if you're look, if you're somebody that loves awesomely bad movies, it's on Netflix streaming right now. <laughs> Greg, I can tell you're going to be racing home. I'm more tonight. of a Ready to Rumble guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do we want to do? One more? Yeah. All right. We have the question about MVP talk, but I think maybe we should save that for the uh, next show. Okay. Yeah, so let's sh- save that. We'll do one, one more. Uh, this is good. At NFL ATL, you guys versus DDFP the Dave Demchick football program in a game of five-a-side soccer. Who would play what position? At Producer TD. That's, of course, TD's Twitter handle. Will referee, of course. I want to play it,
3: first of all. We don't even know the positions. We talked about this this yesterday. yesterday. I played soccer through high school.
2: I don't know the positions. I played soccer into high school, and I was a goalie, so that's where I will play with these hands.
5: Back when I played, we called it front line. I don't know if they still call it. Do they still call it front line? You can have your front line. Who runs the most? I'm not.
3: You know, I think I can outrun these guys in terms of endurance and long distance. So whatever position. Left back. Yeah. It really, doesn't, right and it really
2: doesn't matter, by the way, how we line up because the Damoshek football program, not a bunch of athletes over there. No. And I don't imagine Damoshek's doing much damage. Right. I can see Henry maybe being a bruising midfielder. Do they have enforcers in soccer? Henry, oh, he, he totally Henry he hates do. soccer. He, that's the other thing. But Henry the thing. is the he, Englishman that hates right. soccer. He's, Elliot's yeah, his, his makeup is going
3: to start running oh, during yeah. the show. <laughs> Elliot <laughs> will refuse problem. to
2: do anything like that. So I'm feeling good no matter really how we line it up. <laughs> uh, actually, let's do one more. Uh, Because I mentioned downstairs to the fellows, and I wanted to give them some time to think about it. This one comes from uh, Isaiah, at Isaiah 151519. If all you guys had an entrance song, what would it be? And I guess when I picture entrance song, a lot of times I think of uh, either wrestling or at least uh, a walk-up at bat in baseball. But in football, if you had an entrance song, what would it be? Chris Wessel.
5: We did this in, when I played softball back in Cincinnati. That's we did such a did Cincinnati once. softball Yeah, movement. we did it once, it. and I picked "I Want to Be Sedated" by the Ramones. Mm.
2: Why was that? Were you dealing with a chemical dependency <laughs> at the time? Beat. Good yeah, beat. Yeah, good
5: beat. It starts out really. I think um, I think I might choose "Cool Mod." How you like me now? And this
4: how, so all I wanna say
2: is how you like me now. <laughs> That's good.
3: That's solid, Greg. I'm gonna go. Simon Says. Parentheses. Get the. Up by Pharaoh Monch. Now you might wow. not know this song off the top of your head, but if you heard it,
5: I I would have put money on Greg choosing a song I had never heard.
3: Well, if you if you listen to this on YouTube, it'll get you fired up. It is some entrance music. It's got you know some expletives, so that that's an issue. But it, it's something I think you know you come out to. It's going to get you hyped up.
2: I like that. I would probably go uh, because I liked it when I think of my youth and when I felt alive and there were possibilities were endless. When you'd watch the Chicago Bulls, they had that song. Remember that cheesy 90s song? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it sounded, you know, can we play that, today? Oh, yeah. Remember this? Ooh. And Remember the now. crowd? Remember the crowd? Remember Horace Grant pulling down the specs and, and everybody getting excited? That would be... Yeah. That'd
5: be good. That, that that is getting the blood pumping. Yeah, and
2: I would what I would play was I would wait like probably I don't know, I still don't understand quite the specifics of the question where we're coming from. I guess the tunnel.
3: To cu- and what are we coming out for? I don't know. I, a podcast? Maybe
2: for the podcast itself. I guess I would wait like a good forty five seconds until the crowd was just going nuts and they couldn't take it anymore. And then I just
3: and this,
2: Yeah, and, and if, <laughs> or maybe I would do Young Monday song. Oh yeah, get your Dan hands Get your
5: Dan hand. You already have your own entrance. Piece. Yeah, have, this uh, is
4: the best part here. What's that beat? That's percussion. This is a close up on MJ on the bench getting it come out. <laughs> Talk of powder. Oh, I, man. I this? feel like
3: the guy who did the NBC, NBA and NBC theme song maybe also did this. John Tesh? Oh, <laughs> John Tesh. <laughs> and did you,
2: do you have Young Monday? That would be a backup for me.
6: Get your Dan Hanses. Get your Dan Hanses. Hanses is the man's best ready. You'll read. Now listen to the sounds from around the league.
2: And then failing all those, failing all those, I would go with something from Amy Mann off the Magnolia soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep people on their toes. All right. That's good. Good music choices by everyone, except for Greg, who would get an FCC fine for his. Nah, it'd be great. <laughs> be worth it. It would be awesome. It would right? be worth it. All right, that's it for today's edition of the Around the League podcast. We will be back on... Just one more show this week. We're doing two shows this week, uh, and I guess most likely for the rest of the quiet period until training camp, but we'll play it by ear. You never know what will happen until Thursday. This is Dan Hanza signing off for the mailman and the boss and TD, not behind the glass. Until then.
1: Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.
0: Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget.